4: Welcome to the broadcast. 888 900 3393 is the phone number to the Blaze Radio Network and the Jeff Fisher Show. Today, the number is 100. It's just like Sesame Street. 100. Zero, zero, 100. Now, of course, you know, we have 100 Days of Trump. We'll get to that. Because it's been an exciting 100 days of Trump. First though, with, uh, with all the things that we have, uh, luxuries, some of them we don't even consider luxuries anymore, that make our life better each day, I was looking back at what they had and didn't have 100 years ago. And some of them are fascinating. For instance, say, uh, you know, in 1915, cocaine had only been illegal for a year. Marijuana was perfectly legal and available for purchase. Doctors regularly prescribed heroin to patients. You most definitely don't get those days back. In 1950, the word teenager was not in use yet. The constitutional amendment granting American women the right to vote had not yet passed. You most definitely don't get those days back. In 1910, there were just over 14,000 people incarcerated in the U.S. for first or second degree murder. The population of Las Vegas? 22 In 1900, I mean, then it started to blast. In 1910, uh, 800. And by 1920, it had over 2,300 residents in Las Vegas. So, I mean, it was booming. The average life expectancy for an American man in 1900, 48.3. Wow. Women, of course, always have outlived men. Fifty-one to one, I think you know why. In 1913, the first dedicated gas station in the U.S. opened in Pittsburgh. That was fast. Before that, selling gas was, uh, you know, a, a side business. In 1940, now that's not 100 years ago, my friends. Okay, it's only 75. <laughs> When the census collected information on uh, the plumbing in American homes, almost half lacked the trifecta. 75 years ago, not even 100, almost half of American homes did not have hot, cold water, a tub, or a shower, and a flush toilet. Right, So half of the houses, no hot water, no, no tub, no flushing toilet. Jeez. I mean, I can, I don't know. The, I, I mean, obviously everybody's gone camping and used outhouses. But I think I can, I mean, I, I remember pictures of my grandparents, right? My grandparents, great-grandparents, and their home with the outhouse outside. And I still have the uh, the nighttime potty. That my uh, great grandparents used. So you'd have a, there was a, a, you know, you'd set the bowl inside the box, a a wooden box. And so it was your nighttime uh, urination bowl. So you'd use that at night. So you'd have to go outside and then you'd get up and take the bowl outside. And hopefully, you know, you'd toss it away from the house. In 1901. Connecticut passed a law that included the country's first speed limit, 15 miles an hour, uh, 12 within the city, okay? City limits is 12, slow it down. In 1915, the Eiffel Tower was the tallest structure in the world. And it held that um, until 1930, right? In 1938... The US set its first minimum wage. Nineteen thirty eight, less than a hundred years ago. First minimum wage, twenty five cents an hour. In nineteen ten, the average annual per capita income in the US three hundred and thirty two dollars. Now in today's dollars, that's about you know seventy eight hundred bucks. Still, though, wow. In 1915, many practicing doctors in the U.S. had been educated haphazardly. Medical schools had become mostly diploma mills, and that slowly began to change when the John Hopkins University School of Medicine uh, decided, you know, we should probably, um, Uh, Make these people that want to work on other people be educated. That'd be nice. In 1910, agriculture was the most common industry Americans worked in. 1910. Most common industry, agriculture. By 1920, manufacturing had passed agriculture. Wow. I mean that happened fast. In 1915, the three leading causes of death in the U.S. were heart disease, pneumonia, tuberculosis. 1915, canned beer, modern supermarkets, and Barbie dolls. I mean, with Barbie dolls. Of course, they had not been invented. Hey, nobody cares about Barbie dolls or super, well, supermarkets we care about, but you could always get food, but canned beer? In 1950, the U.S. did not have an, an official national anthem. Ugh. In 1910, 7, almost 8%, 7.7, of Americans said that they couldn't read or write. Wow. From, uh, in 1870, 20% said they couldn't read or write. So 40 years later, only 7.7. We're picking up the pace a little bit. In 1900, only about half of American children between 5 and 19 years old were enrolled in school. Ending formal education for 8th grade was typical. And they had work to do. At the farm, right? I mean, Americans were, it was an agricultural community. Get out there and hoe that field. I want to learn how to read and write and multiply and add and subtract. Okay, go count the rows of corn you're going to plant. Today's number, 100. Now think where we're going to be in another 100 years. I mean, it's going to be, you won't be able to imagine it. I mean, the future is we're, what you're imagining now, you're seeing happening now, 100 years from now is going to seem like doctors were prescribing heroin 100 years ago. That's what it's going to seem like 100 years from now. Now, when you saw that the doctors, you know, cocaine had just become illegal in 1915, 1910, 1915, and they were still prescribing heroin. And you know what you can't find, by the way, because my wife has been looking for one, so if you have one, you can message me on Twitter. You can't find the bear aspirin bottles of heroin. They're out there somewhere. You can get the bear aspirins. You can get the bear, there's other bear that they had here in America, but they nobody has the original, or I say nobody, we can't find the one of the original bear heroin bottles. There's remakes, but not an original. If you have an original, I'm willing to give you like five bucks. Let me know. But since 1990, think of this, now this is a change, a miraculous change in the last few years that's gone on here in in the United States that's... Fascinating and scary at the same time. Since 1990, the number of Americans who have died every year from drug overdoses has increased 500%. More Americans in 2015 died from drug overdoses than from car accidents and gun homicides combined. In 2015, more Americans died from drug overdoses than from car accidents. It's the worst drug overdose epidemic in American history. Eh, okay. Uh, spurred, you know, because of the availability of prescription opioids and the influx of potent synthetics. Like fentanyl and carfentanyl. Now, when you look at the charts of that, it is... Amazing! It is amazing how much uh, the drug overdoses has gone up uh, throughout the years. Uh, we just did that chart uh, not too long ago, and you know that it went up because you kept hearing about it. So you go up, but you don't go up that far. I mean, it just shoots up the last couple years. I mean, uh, exa- I mean, five hundred percent since nineteen ninety. Amazing. I mean, young Americans, and there's a huge, there was a big story uh, about the uh, uh, age divide of what's causing the overdoses and what age group you're in. Uh, So younger Americans are overdosing on heroin while the old folks are just taking painkillers. In 2015, heroin, not only do we have more Americans dying from drug overdoses than from car accidents and gun homicides combined in 2015, we also have, for the first time in 2015, heroin killing more people than prescription painkillers. Now, obviously, you know, there are still a, <laughs> a huge amount of people dying from prescription opioids, uh, but heroin in 2015, killed more people than prescription painkillers. Now there are some states, and we've talked about them here, you know, the Northeast is on fire uh, with this problem. But states, and so, you know, so is, uh, you know, West Virginia, Ohio, Ohio is probably I mean, they're in a full-blown crisis. Um, It's they have, Ohio has double the heroin overdose rate of any of the surrounding states. I mean, that is scary for the state of Ohio. And one of the problems uh, that uh, one of the experts is talking about is that a doctor can prescribe you uh, one of the painkillers like uh, hydrocodone, but it can't prescribe you the treatment drugs. Like the naloxone. And, you know, there's some states that are letting, are easing up a little bit on the naloxone prescriptions, but it's also the insurance companies, right? The insurance companies are like, well, you know, that particular drug is really expensive, so no. But if you'd like to, you know, give them some, uh, go ahead and give them some hydrocodone, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Heck, they can take. Uh, as long as the prescription is good, you're fine. But, you know, if you need it, use it. I know you, <laughs> you can quote me on that. If you need it, use it. I am a bit, look, I've had a bunch of surgeries. I understand. I know about painkillers, and I know what they do and what they won't do and and how, and how to use them. But if you need them, use them. And of course, if you're using them on a regular basis for whatever amount of, whatever thing is wrong with you, you're going to be addicted. And that's a strong, that's a strange word because it brings up meaning of being addicted. Oh my gosh, uh, he's addicted. Well, yeah, but a lot of the people that are addicted aren't Breaking into homes, aren't overdosing because they're using it so that, I don't know, they can be a productive member of society. But it doesn't matter in today's world because you still get treated like a criminal. <gasps> You're on painkillers. You're a criminal. Today's number 100. 100. Zero, zero. We'll talk a little bit about uh, our President Donald Trump's first 100 days. We have an interview with uh, Charlie Warzel from a BuzzFeed, who covered the Alex Jones trial uh, down in Austin, Texas, uh, the past nine or ten days. And then uh, we have uh, we have news, something that uh, is just a new trend around the world uh, and on Instagram that is. Some people are going to be horrified. I most definitely am not.
0: This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: 653
0: The Jeff Fisher Show
4: Welcome to the broadcast 888-900-3393 is the phone number you can follow me on Twitter at jeffy m r a Instagram at jeffy m r a Facebook is Jeff Fisher Radio So, my Saturday producer, Chris, uh, wasn't here last week because he was in an automobile accident. Now, those of you that have followed, you know, my driving career know that there's been a number of automobile accidents that I've been involved in. So, I'm fascinated to hear how other people get into car accidents. And, you know, because usually, I mean, there's only been a few accidents, you know, that have been kind of my fault, marginally my fault. Mostly it's the other people. So, Chris. Yes. First of all, you Okay. Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, I see you've got you came in with the big wrap around your foot and your leg, and you're hobbling around here like you were actually injured.
5: Well, you know, I got to do that for the insurance, insurance scam. Yeah. Thank you.
4: Uh, so, what happened? Uh, I that was, you couldn't work. <laughs>
5: well, I uh, I was waiting to turn into the parking garage, and some guy decided he just wasn't going to stop, and rear-ended me. Oh, did you see it coming? No, no. All all I heard was the breaking glass, and then what just happened? Wow. Yeah. So
4: were there any automobiles in front of you waiting to turn in?
5: Uh, no. Luckily, oh, uh, wow. that was clear as well.
4: That You're very lucky. Yeah. So for your insurance scam, <laughs> what happened? Uh,
5: so my foot got a nice gash in it from uh, the seat, and uh, they had to patch that up. So, oh, so you
4: had your foot just the one, the one leg back up against the seat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you hit the seat goes forward. You don't. Yes. Ow. Yeah. That kind of hurts. A little
5: bit. A little bit.
4: And that's the only thing. I mean, you didn't hurt your back. You didn't hurt your head.
5: No. Um, airbag deploy. No. Uh, the airbags did not go off. However, it did knock the covers off the airbags. So
4: that was that it was interesting. Knocked the covers off the airbags, but they didn't deploy. Yeah. You might have a lawsuit there.
5: I know. Right. Found my uh, the sunglasses I was wearing in the back
4: seat. That was fun. They flew off my head. Okay. I mean, were they your favorite pair? I mean, did your mom give them to you or something? You had to have that pair? Well, they're prescription. I mean, you can purchase sunglasses pretty much anywhere in America.
5: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, usually they don't, uh, they don't fly off your head, though. Uh, it's been my experience. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> so is the car totaled? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't
5: worth much anyway, but, yeah, it's, it's bent. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, it's gone.
4: So are you like Ubering now, or did you actually get to purchase a new automobile?
5: Uh, well, they, uh, they got around to giving me a rental car on Monday. So I was without a vehicle last weekend. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, But now I've got wheels, and I'm hobbling so around. giving
4: you a rental car? Yes. And because they haven't written you a check for the other car yet, or what? Not yet, no. And did the person who hit you,
2: I mean, is this an insurance person?
4: Uh, He had insurance. He didn't
2: speak English,
5: but he had insurance.
2: Nice. This is The Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
6: This
4: is the Jeff Fisher Show. What? 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Welcome to the broadcast. That could turn into the word of the day, actually. What? Instead of 100, but we'll stick with 100 for now. So today, congratulations. Congratulations to President Donald J. Trump for surviving the first 100 days. Today is the tremendous anniversary the wonderful anniversary. He said uh, earlier this week in an interview that uh, he he didn't think being president would be so darn hard. You know, look, he was he's busy before with his you know with his previous life, but uh, now that he's president, he just oh man, it's a tough job. He didn't. He didn't plan on uh, it being so hard. But during a little uh, one-on-one interview on Fox News, uh, he reminded us of this.
3: I think we're doing tremendously well. I don't think anybody has ever done this much in 100 days.
4: So President Trump started off as aggressive as any president. U.S. stock market's record high. A million Americans are benefiting from their retirement savings account. Right. He had 66 executive orders, memoranda, proclamations. He's going to sign another one today that is the same as these. Uh, they all uh, just issue for more work. I'm going to do more studies. So all of them pretty much are costing us money. Um, the executive order, 66 of them, notifying Congress uh, of a strike on Syria after it was reported that the country used gas on its citizens. And he once he saw the video of the little babies, he had to do something. I mean, you could see it in his face. Dismantling Obama's climate change initiatives. Let's hope that actually holds true and they continue to do that. Uh, enforcing regulatory reform, protecting law enforcement, mandating for every new regulation to eliminate two. Yeah, how's that coming? I'd like to just come back and take a look at that. Uh, reducing regulations on manufacturers, placing a hiring freeze and you know, okay, these are all great, but what do we really want? You and me, what do we really want? Right? We want health care. We want to repeal. We can get to replacing, but let's get Obamacare off the books. I heard an interview this week on a local radio station with a congressman, and for the life of me, I cannot remember his stupid name. Congressman. Anyway, it's not important. He's just a silly little congressman, United States representative. Um, He said, well, look, I've been saying it all along to uh, uh, repeal or dilute. I, I, I about, I about, I about swerved into the wall. Not, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say dilute Obamacare. Shut up. Whoever said that before ever. You all got elected because you told us you were going to get rid of it. And you got up there. And decided, you know, this is a lot of work. and We really haven't been planning. It's only been eight years since, uh, you know, seven or eight years. We really didn't have time to work on anything. It's pretty much agonizing. Right? I mean, we want that gone. We, you know, his big claim to fame, the wall. I'm going to build a wall. He even said it again yesterday at the NRA. He likes saying it. Will it ever get done? Doubtful. Do we really need it? Well, you know, we probably we should, probably should have it, yeah. It certainly hasn't hurt. And and the the rhetoric that has slowed down illegal immigration will only work for some you know a little while longer, and then they're gonna decide Hey, you know what? Nobody's doing anything. We could probably just continue to go. And then they'll come back. So let's get the thing done. I know Ted Cruz uh, issued a, you know, he wants to uh, use uh, El Chapo's money to uh, start building the wall, which I'm okay with. What's El Chapo doing with it? Nothing. Right? Nothing. We've got a few countries in the first hundred days that uh, the Donald has, uh, I'm sorry, President Trump has, uh, you know, created uh, created a little issue with. Just a few. I mean, um, he's a great negotiator, and he's a you know he's a great uh, a great person. Everybody likes him. So you know you find it hard to believe that uh, we've already got a you know a little beef with Canada. Of course, we still have the beef with Mexico with the wall. I mean, of course, I mean that's going to go on forever. You know that. Uh, of course, we've got the beef going on in uh, North Korea with uh, little Kimmy. Now, uh, Kimmy fired another rocket yesterday just trying to, look, China needs to get little Kimmy under under control. Gene needs to go over there, maybe, you know, order a cake from Mar-a-Lago, big piece of chocolate cake, and bring it over to little Kimmy. Sit down with them, have a big, beautiful, thick piece of chocolate cake, and say, uh, look, little Kimmy, here's the deal. Have a little bite of your chocolate cake. There you go. Um, if you want to continue to eat really good chocolate cake like that, you'll stop firing your little missiles. Otherwise, we're going to kill you. And then he can go about his business keeping his people in in the dark, literally. Because it seems as though our people, especially President Trump, I mean, a time for... they want They want to use military might, and it's going to be ugly when that happens, because Little Kimmy won't care. Little Kimmy will not care. And so there's going to be a lot of people in uh, Seoul that are going to pay the price. Right? Because Seoul itself, Seoul City Limits, I think has, uh, you know, 10 million. And then uh, the Metroplex of Seoul has about 20 million. It's a lot of people, man. Australia. A little beef with Australia, but he's, you don't worry about it. He's friendly. He knows he's a good negotiator. He can, he's the best. In fact, I don't, I, he's told us himself how, uh, how, how good it's been.
3: I think we're doing tremendously well. I don't think anybody has ever done this much in 100 days.
4: And of course, we got the little beef with Iran. You know, that's going on. Don't worry about it, though. Uh, they've taken an aggressive position in the Gulf state. Uh, we got Germany. A little issue with Germany going on, don't worry about it. Don't forget about the him being such a douche to Angela Merkel while she was here. I didn't even shake her hand. It was so so bad. And of course, uh, he's friends with Putin. He's such a great guy, but you know, really, they're not, and uh, he's not. And we've got a little beef with Russia going on now too. And uh, so that's it right now. I mean, and really. We still kind of have the beef with China, except that, you know, they went down to Mar-a-Lago and kissed and made up a little bit with over chocolate cake, and so everything's okay, you know. And uh, the head guy from you know, China, President Xi, uh, uh, said something nice about him, so Donald likes him now.
3: I think we're doing tremendously well. I don't think anybody has ever done this much in 100 days.
4: Congratulations. 100 days, uh, first hundred days. First hundred days to our president, uh, Donald J. Trump. And uh, look, if you don't know, and he's been busy, right? I mean, he actually has been busy. Has he been? Has he been busy to the point where he's accomplishing something? That is another question, right? But he's been busy. There's been reports that they got to keep him busy. Because he, you know, he gets bored. He goes down to Florida. When he goes to Mar-a-Lago, then he's on his own, right? He's out there golfing. He's able to tweet. He talks to other. talks to friends of his. And then he gets an idea. Gets a hair up his butt, and then it's all over. So they got to keep him, you know, keep him focused, keep him busy in Washington See, They he brought he busted all the senators for their little North Korea chat. All of them came out of there going, huh? Because there was nothing new? Uh, it was kind of a whirlwind cluster. Uh, originally, we heard that uh, it was uh, uh, the turtle that called them all together, Mitch McConnell. And then uh, to give him a little update, and then Donald was like, hey, you know what? Mitch, bring him him over here to the White House. Don't don't worry about that building over there that you've got for a year, people. Bring him over to the White House. Look, I got nothing going on. We'll set him up in the back. and We'll have a meeting. We'll bring everybody. You know what? I'll get the generals over here. I'll get Pence. I'll pull Pence back from North Korea a day early. Everybody will think it's for a war reason. And then, uh, you know, we'll have a little meeting here. So just set that up. I call my buddy. Uh, my buddy Frank's got some buses he's going to rent to us. That will ship is over. Don't worry about it. So bad. And one of the things he said, I heard, uh, I heard and I didn't see this, so I've, I've got to find it, where he said that he missed driving. You ever see Donald Trump drive? Now, seriously. Now, you've seen pictures of him with cars. But every time you see Donald Trump, he's getting out of some kind of limousine. Right? Now maybe maybe he you know likes to take the you know take the speedster out on the weekends, because there's nothing like you know taking the speedster out in Manhattan on the weekends. But uh, I get it. But I, I can kind of understand that actually. If he actually is a driver, which I barely believe, I can kind of understand that, because while I really love to be driven around. And it's you know it's, it's nice not to have to drive. It's also pretty nice to drive. That's a pretty freeing experience, right? I mean, it's, I mean, that time is yours. You're in an automobile that's your automobile, which you be purchased, rented, whatever, stolen, whatever, however you got the car. But you're in there on your own, going where you want to go. You listen to what you want to listen to. You're thinking about what you want. To, I mean, it, it, that's you. That's your time, your space. And that I mean, that's the American dream, right? The American roads. We had the lady on uh, the Glenn Beck radio program uh, yesterday telling us that she looks for, she's looking at the automobile industry as a beacon of how the economy and what's going to happen in the future to the country. And her thoughts were that uh, it's the next, you know, it's going to crash soon. And when it does, there's going to be big trouble. Well, the reason that it's been propped up for so long is that that's the American dream, right? I mean, freedom, cars, we go where we want. We drive where we want, we do, that's that's the American deal, automobiles. We're based on that. So if that goes away, oof. You might not be hearing uh, our President Donald J. Trump saying this.
3: I think we're doing tremendously well i don't think anybody has ever done this much in a hundred days
4: how can you disagree with that
3: i think we're doing tremendously well i don't think anybody has ever done this much in a hundred days
4: seriously
2: here we go this is the jeff fisher show on the blaze radio network
0: Jeff
3: Fisher Show. I love driving cars. You know, to me, a great, a great event is getting into a car and driving someplace. I can't do that anymore, and I haven't been able to do that really since the primaries.
4: Oh, see? See? It's so sad. So sad. I don't necessarily believe it, but, you know, whatever. I guess I have to because he said it, so it's the truth. Right? Because I, you know, Donald and I don't hang out. I know it's a surprise. But uh, I seriously do not remember. There's been some pictures. Remember there was a couple of pictures of him with his daughter on his lap. And everybody was figuring that, you know, they were all wound up about his daughter being on his lap. But it was they were sitting in the car or on the car or side of the car whatever. So there's been pictures of him around automobiles. But I never seen him drive a car. Uh, Maybe he, you know, maybe he, I mean, he still gets to drive the golf carts, right? So shut up. Just get a souped up golf cart and security will let you drive that thing around. No problem. All right, so we have uh, Charlie Warzel coming up from uh, BuzzFeed who covered the uh, Alex Jones trial all last week, the last nine or ten days. And he had some fascinating uh, tweets and some fascinating stories about the entire trial. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to Charlie. One of my – I think this could be my new favorite trend on Instagram. Um, people are now taking pictures of landscapes. You know, uh, Instagram, everybody wants to take a picture of where they are, and they show their feet, and there's the, you know, there's the beach. Or looking at this, look at this beautiful site, and there's their feet. Well, now the trend is they show the landscape, but it also – as your naked butt in the picture. I think that's my new favorite trend. Whatever you're looking at, you can take, have somebody snap your shot with your, with your pants pulled down and your and your butt showing. And uh, there's some examples I'll tweet out here in the story about the new trend on Instagram. And uh, I, I, I think we might have to do some new Instagram trending. Maybe, maybe we'll do that on Facebook Live this afternoon
2: practice uh, practice the new trend this is the Jeff Fisher Show only on the Blaze Radio Network the experiment was a success begin Life Force Reboot Program now
3: stand clear Life
2: signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. If you'd like to participate, you can always follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA and my guest, Charlie Warzel. You can follow him at C Warzel on Twitter. Charlie, you had a fascinating last 10 11 days of your life following the alex jones trial down in austin texas um i did welcome to the broadcast <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> how in the world are you um, how, uh, are you making out okay I, with alex being that close to alex for 10 days
7: yeah it, you know it, it was honestly everything about the last 10 days has been incredibly surreal but also um really illuminating in a way that you know i i i almost i don't know if i expected (laughs) to be honest really yeah uh i think i think you know the the reason why myself and a, a gaggle of other reporters kind of showed up was really around this premise of um alex's lawyers hinted at a a defense of his custody of his three children under the um under the sort of Guys, that everything he's done in his professional career has been political right. satire and performance we should,
4: art. And we should, I just a, a quick reminder that this was a, a custody battle. That uh, the, the jury came back uh, Thursday night late uh, with the verdict, and it was a custody battle to do with their three kids. And Alex right. had custody, but he was uh, had he had uh, they had joint. I'm sorry, they had both had joint custody, but Alex had control and was able to divvy out the time that the wife got to see the kids. And so, right. Right. So then this trial was for her to a get full custody or joint custody with her having control of the kids.
7: Correct. And the judge ruled uh, on the second of that granting right. her joint custody with the ability to uh, dictate residence.
4: And this is going to be, you know, to, we'll get, you know, before we get to uh, the trial, I mean, I saw one of her posts, uh, one of the uh, feeds, after the trial where she talked about parental alienation syndrome i mean right. if that's the case if you i mean if you actually believe that and we've seen it uh, you know i mean i do kind of believe it um the uh you know it's going to be tough because uh, the other the parent who's had the kids has just driven the other parent right into the ground they don't even want anything to do with her
7: right you, you know the, the whole sort of um one of the the main premises of of this was that uh i i mean a a as as most of these custody things are you know they are both yeah they don't like each other very nasty <laughs> and and also in a way you know very sort of ordinary in the sense that you know you're dealing with sort of like the general issues of you know of parents and their kids and the conflicts and the you know the right. alliances and and, and grievances yeah. so it, it, but um but yeah, the, the parental alienation um, sort of charge against alex was 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 really kind of borne out sort of without saying so of you know his, his personality that that we know in, in his public right. life. And then, and that leads us as right as and that,
4: a, Right, and that leads us yeah, right back into hits. what they were going to do, uh, how they were going to uh, uh, defend Alex for this trial.
7: Right. Yeah, and and so his, his his legal team's defense was this performance art political satire um defense or that that's sort of what they foreshadowed uh right at the start of the trial. And uh and so that's really what led I think a lot of the media the national media attention. You know, I I came down and didn't really expect it to sort of blow up as big as it did in terms of interest um from the national media, but I think what the alluring question here was was can you know can we sort of under oath get to see a separation of Alex Jones the person and Alex Jones the professional and yeah. how much of this stuff does he really believe
4: yeah because I mean for a long time uh, having been a uh, having been a, a fan of Alex and I say fan not really a fan but more as a, a looking at him as a sideshow um, that uh, you know he would I mean his belief was this is me was me, and so for him to Absolutely. have to say in court that it wasn't him, I mean that puts a big cringe on his business.
7: Yeah, there was this real. Um, it was sort of a, a a situation that, if unless you were trying to you know settle a dispute over over your the custody of your children, you'd probably never find yourself in a situation where right. you would have to where you'd have to uh, you know argue that your that your career was based on something different, but. Right. I think that he, you know, that line sort of really disappeared after the first couple of days of the trial. It, it's Alex sort of issued a very uh, full-throated defense of Infowars and what he does. He claimed ninety-five percent of it was hard news, and that about you know five percent is this satire, which the media cherry-picks and uses to you know dismiss him as as a lunatic, as a. Um, uh-huh. you know, as a far-fringe figure. Right. And I, I can say as someone who, for my job, has to watch a lot of InfoWars. I, I don't know if I agree with that with that I, character.
4: I certainly don't. I'll guarantee you that. But he got lucky with uh, the judge taking away the merging of InfoWars and himself right i mean she made that split that we can that they couldn't use in court infowars had to be separate and alex was separate so he kind of right. in my in my estimation i mean he got lucky because he didn't have to make that statement then he was able he <laughs> was able to say all the time hey uh, infowars is completely separate so i you know it, it's real let me alone
7: it it was honestly uh i think a really big shock to um to some of the uh, the not legal bad. professionals involved and, and a lot of people who reached out to me in uh, you know who were lawyers who dealt with family custody cases not related to this sort of saying it's almost unheard of for someone's professional life uh, right. to be taken out of context in, in, a, in a custody trial.
4: I mean that's the whole point right I mean the point is is that you're unable to uh, care for the children uh, because you do this.
7: Right. And, and I, and I think that, you know, it's not even, I I understand with the, the initial impulse of, um, you know, you want to leave politics out of it. You don't want to say that, you know, so-and-so has these, these, you know, views about who should be an elected official. And, you know, if you're a Trump supporter, or if you're a Bernie supporter, that means, you know, you deserve X amount of hours with your kids. That's a, that's a you know a very sort of hairy and sticky proposition right. which the judge rightly wanted to um to, to keep out of but i think the 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 general exclusion of almost anything having to relate to infowars under the uh under the justification that it's a political show um really sort of you know uh, sort of strips away a, a lot of, of what you, of what you can, you know, learn about and, and level at, right. at Alex, who's, right. who's, you know, he's somebody who, if you spend a lot of time watching him, you see, he broadcasts, uh, you know, videos from home or while he's driving in the car, he sort of, you know, he doesn't have that nine to five work-life balance that, <laughs> that, you know, some right. people might have his, right. his, Work and his life are are very much intertwined.
4: And in, and look in today's world, and and uh, you know somebody will say no, that's not right. But I'm I believe in today's world, if you're in the media and I, you know the evil media, um, it is that way now. It isn't go to the office and sit down at the desk and say good evening. It's six o'clock time for the news. Uh, it just you know that just isn't a person's life anymore.
7: Absolutely. And 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 you know, he has he has made a a real name for himself yes, he has. over the past two decades, being somebody who has sort of this uh monomaniacal obsession. Yep, with and
4: twenty four seven with it.
7: That's right. Yeah, I mean, and InfoWars, you know, has that sort of um this is gonna sound wrong for them but it has that sort of cnn sort of cable news feel with you know the, the high production value the constant you know updates the always going live
4: no, i mean uh, that's what they were that's what they were going for whether you know just just never mind the stories or whether you believed it or not i mean that's what they wanted that 24 7 feel and we're here for you 24 7 around the globe i mean that's the deal that's his life it's really right. it was really that exactly. was hard for me to understand that as well and uh, I am in no way, you know. I only pretend to be an attorney. I'm not even I'm close to being. <laughs> um, so, what's your biggest? So they they. beside that, we talked to the. I saw some uh, quotes from uh, you had an opportunity to talk to a couple of jurors. Yeah, um,
7: yeah. And, yeah. and uh, We caught up with them last night outside the courthouse. Just just a few, um, and and their sense that I got was was that that InfoWars really wasn't a factor in this trial in, in the sense of, you know, the judge got her, got her wish, the court got its wish.
8: Right. Um,
7: and it was, it was unclear how many of the jurors uh, going in knew of, knew of him. Uh, the juror, the one juror I spoke with said it was a, you know, a roughly equal split of people who were somewhat familiar and not, wow. but, um, but, but that, that deliberations really actually, Took so long. It was a nine and a half hour deliberation, which is abnormal yeah, for, for this time. kind of case. Uh, it took so long, actually, because they uh, they both uh, the, the jury thought that both parents were actually pretty adequate uh, guardians, and they wanted to make sure that they they got that right. So huh. it's really there's a real disconnect that I noticed between sort of the narrative that had to play out inside the courtroom. And what would happen when you would grab your phone and check on Twitter or see, you know, what people were commenting on outside? It was it was a real it was a real split. Alex is sort of this villain out in the world, and in the courtroom, he was presented as this dad who was, you know, devoted and perhaps, you know, a little uh, colorful, but a little colorful. But he's but, providing but,
4: for his family, and and he was right. a good dad. Yeah, right. and you know, look. It, do I want to give them the benefit of the doubt? No, but you know, it is possible, I guess.
7: It, you know, I think that these things are, are, are very, um, I think that they're very complicated and I think that, you know, it, it's, it's actually a very, uh, it, it, it's a dicey thing to, to delve into somebody's, uh, family matters in this way. But I, I think, I think at the end of the day there really was actually a, a bit of, um the the trial p- proved instructive to people who wanted to know more about him and right. and especially to know more about whether he's the man that he is on camera when he's off camera i think that i think that we actually saw the people who who stuck it out with me for the for the full uh the full 9 days really saw that he he maintains a lot of the same characteristics when the cameras aren't rolling that he has on air
4: oh my gosh which leads you to believe that it isn't a show uh charlie warzel from uh, buzzfeed who uh covered the uh, char the uh <laughs> alex jones trial uh charlie uh, down in austin the last uh, nine or ten days covering the the jones trial what was your i mean that that's a fascinating takeaway when the judge said that you know try word we're, we're going to uh, distinguish between no info wars and uh and alex Away from Infowars. Well, I mean, during the trial, he was posting stuff on Infowars, which was going against the gag order, right?
7: There, yeah. So you know, the, was kind the of press a, was kept. The press was kept kind of in the dark on that to some degree. We we did get some uh, snippets if you leaned in close enough to the the lawyers when they had to approach the bench talking about it. Okay, it, it appeared that sort of in the first, um, you know, the, the real media storm around this hit. Um, on the night before the trial, when uh, the Austin Statesman, the, one of the local papers here, um, sort of broke the story that his lawyers were going to, you know, use this right, use um, this defense, this performance art defense, right. So, you know, then the sort of, you know, Stephen Colbert ran with it, and uh, and sort of, you know, he became sort of like the butt of the internet and TV, late night TV jokes. Um, so. You know Alex is someone who, when he 's in the news, he has to respond. Uh, he has right. almost you know a it 's like breathing for him and I think uh, that you know initially he put out a couple of or I know he put out uh, two initial videos calling you know the the claims outrageous and saying it was a media attempt to discredit him <laughs> and that he is who he is and you know i 'm hundred percent real baby and I think that uh yes, he is. He was admonished for that, and, and so those videos kind of uh, took a different turn. They stopped being about the trial necessarily um, and, you know, mentioning custody of his kids and sort of focused more on, I'm Alex Jones, I'm, right. you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a target.
4: It's, it's all on me. One of the things that came uh, from this trial that I found uh, very fascinating was uh, the profitability of Alex Jones's company. Uh, more people involved with this damn InfoWars and making millions of dollars, uh, I'm doing it wrong. I I, I don't know about you, Charlie. I mean, maybe you're doing it right, but when Alex Jones and the wife and the mom and dad are all making millions for selling uh, tree bark supplements, I'm doing it wrong.
7: Conspiracy uh, is good business, I think, (laughs) is is one thing that we learned here. Uh, You know, there was... um, I, I believe at one point there was a, a, a report of you know roughly forty thousand dollars a month or, or something to that degree, some, something very very high being being paid to his ex-wife. Well, plus, he um, gave
4: her he gave her I think in the initial divorce there was reported that uh, he gave her a, a three million on top three or four million on top of that, right? Plus the yeah, plus the and, and,
7: and, a, and a few a few numbers uh, a few numbers trickled out, including uh, at one point. Um, uh alex's parents uh both testified uh on his behalf and and mentioned that uh the quote unquote family business uh, which is a which is a, a great way i think to refer to infowars yeah, no uh, the family business um, netted them a couple of million of dollars millions of dollars um and that's just you know the um his parents uh, i think right. his father has has some stake in the in the business but but it does sort of speak to the sort of you know um InfoWars' finances are not aren't, aren't uh, public and he is uh, he's placed those things pretty close to the vest. But it gives yeah, you sort of these glimmers of insight into um,
4: Yeah, I mean I know I I get the plan. I mean I get the plan. All the you know, all the product that advertises on his radio, T V, internet and website is all his product and so that product, you know, just rolls back into the company. I got I got the plan. I'm just doing it wrong and I feel like an idiot.
7: <laughs> and, I mean, it's, there's still time. There's uh, still time to, uh, to start hawking the supplements. I think. So. Dad, is that you, um,
4: <laughs> Charlie Warzel from uh, BuzzFeed? All right, Charlie. We, you know, Alex. Alex is back to being Alex Jones, and uh, he can pretend once in a while that he's really bummed that uh, he didn't. Uh, he doesn't have the uh, joint. He doesn't have his kids. Uh, the wife tells him when and when he cannot have the kids but he'll be able to eat uh, you know as much chili as he wants and forget how old the kids are whenever he wants which was a great piece from that.
7: It was a very surreal moment to uh, to hear somebody claim that their uh, short-term memory had been erased by uh by some uh, five alarm chili. Right. Yeah. It I mean, was just... it was certainly we were we were kind of agape in the mouth agape in the courtroom <laughs> when we heard that. Not sure if it was uh something that we'd misheard and it turns out uh turns out to be true
4: yeah was it now when uh in the courtroom i mean he had talked about that in a deposition right you didn't remember what how old his kids Correct. were or whatever and then who asked him about it in the courtroom
7: um one of uh one, of, one his of the attorney. attorneys right okay, okay. that's what i thought yeah, he yeah started yeah. started the um um one of one of the attorneys was um was a sort of a fierce cross-examiner and and the, and the real um sort of drama came from I, I believe his charge um was to sort of throw alex off of his game and sort of to rile him up and, and he started the uh, alex's cross-examination uh asking him uh, you didn't have any uh, chili this morning did you sir and alex shot back "Is that a joke and um, and then um, the attorney sort of went into the the deposition anecdote and yeah. and it really sort of uh, it started him off on on a note, um, a very surreal sort of ridiculous note, and it only kind of increased from there.
4: All right, Charlie Wurzel from BuzzFeed. So what's next on your agenda? Whose trial are you going to sit through now?
7: Well, I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a court reporter. Get out uh, <laughs> of here! What? And, uh, and 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 it, it's it was incredibly fascinating. I don't know if I'll be sitting through uh, any more trials in, in the very <laughs> near future, but um, you know, I, I've, I, at BuzzFeed, we've always kind of been, uh, you know, one of our sort of hallmarks is, is being on the, on the sort of the, the cutting edge of new um, sort of internet movements. And, and I've, I've spent the last yeah. probably six or so months, you know, really kind of digging into the rise of, of sort of new pro-Trump media and and the figures and the personalities there and 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 the you know the the financials and the, right. and the the relationship with the White House and I think that you know that's one of the sort of biggest stories of 2017 right now. Well, how there's this,
4: no doubt about that. But listen, I mean, I mean, our, so our president said uh, just the other day that he didn't realize that the you know job was going to be so hard. So you know it's good he's at the helm anyway
7: it is, this is a pretty this is a pretty wild interview there
4: <laughs> <laughs> charlie thank you for coming on man. i appreciate it i know it's saturday i'm eating up some of your time you had a busy last nine or ten days and you want to get some rest so charlie Warzel from a buzzfeed uh, at C Warzel uh on twitter thank you man i appreciate it
7: thanks for having me this is
4: the jeff
2: fisher show
0: on the blaze radio network The Jeff Fisher
4: Show is on. That it is. Welcome to it. Thank you so much for uh, Charlie Warzel for stopping by and talking to little Alex Jones. Uh, it was good to talk to him. And we got some a little inside information uh, about Alex Jones that was fascinating. We also, uh, a little bit later on in the program, we'll uh, air a little bit of the Alex Jones post-trial press conference, which had some fascinating information. Next week on this broadcast, I am excited. Next week, we're going to be broadcasting from the Kentucky... Derby the Kentucky Derby I am excited about going to the Kentucky Derby I had an opportunity to say yes or no and when I said something to my wife my wife is like oh you're going apparently she's in love with going to the Kentucky Derby and wearing the hats and sipping mint julep so fun we will have at the Kentucky Derby broadcasting live next
2: week right here on the Blaze Radio this is the
0: Jeff Fisher Show
4: For sure. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Coming up immediately after this broadcast, Lawrence Jones, then Mike Slater, then Joe Paggs, all rounding out your Saturday and brand new spanking programming on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for coming along for the ride. And then, of course, Sunday you've got uh, David Barton, Bill Handel, Jackie D. <laughs> then Monday through Friday, Doc Thompson, Glenn Beck. Who's that other guy that comes? Oh, yeah, Mike Opelka. And then uh, Chris Salcedo. And then uh, Pat and Stew. Oh, yeah. And then Buck Saxton uh, ends the evening, 9 to midnight central on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, you wonder about how robots are going to affect your lives. Well, in Spokane, Washington, harvesting Washington State's vast fruit orchards requires thousands of farm workers. Thousands of farm workers, where do they come from? Oh, I know, other countries. They're illegally working in the United States. What? Well, now, they have robot pickers. The robot pickers are going to be working, they don't get tired either. And I will say that, uh, no, I better not say that. The robot pickers don't get tired. They work 24-7. And that is what's coming around the corner for you illegal aliens and for Americans that just won't do the work. Now, that having been said, it was going to come around the corner anyway. Even if you were an American that said, hey, I'll pick apples, I'll pick oranges, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. No thanks. We have a robot here that won't get tired and continue to do it for 24 hours a day. Just pick them, okay? So have a nice day. We will need someone to pull the weeds in a couple of weeks, stop back. But these robotic pickers are what's coming. This is Washington State. When I lived in Florida, same thing. Uh, A lot of times the workers who most of the time are less than legal uh, here in the United States, they just they just travel from uh, you know place to place around the country when it's harvest time so you go up north up to the northeast and you pick blueberries and then you come back into the midwest and you pick whatever is harvesting and you go back out on the west coast and you do that and but now eh, eh, no need for that a robot pickers and so maybe maybe uh especially with the lack we I talked to someone here in Dallas Fort Worth in the metroplex that his father's company, uh, he has a, a landscaping company, and they had to cut customers, cut customers after the first of the year because so many of his workers who were less than legal uh, did not come back from Mexico. So, I mean, he did not have the workers to do the work, which you know proves the rhetoric is working, but it also is taking a little bit of... Bite out of crime and a little bit of bite out of capitalism for businesses around America. So, uh, even in any state, Washington, Maine, or Florida will feel the effects of that. And soon to be, you'll be driving by those fields and those orchards and you'll be seeing the robot pickers. Fun, fun, fun. And speaking of Florida, chuckinflorida.com is on the broadcast. Hello, Chuck. Greetings from Florida, Jeffy,
9: where I am sporting my brand new Talking Walking Dead t-shirt. Nice. Yes, Very and I'm nice. tweeting out a picture right after the show. It somehow didn't upload, but I've got it. I'm the man today.
4: Nice. We didn't give that to you for free, did we? <laughs> Are you kidding me?
9: Okay, good. <laughs> Oof. Man. No, in fact, um, I, I hate to complain on the air, but uh, it took quite a while to get here.
4: Yeah, I, I have a story about that, and there were some issues. For those of you that uh, had to wait, I want to say I apologize, uh, yeah, and I they appreciate accepted. you I, I didn't <laughs> apologize to you. I was talking to the other people. I'm um, sorry. They, uh, there was an issue between uh, financing and the t-shirt people.
9: Oh, you ran out of money. And, I get
4: it. Uh, okay. It's kind of a it's kind of a Ponzi scheme <laughs> that we're running on these t-shirts. Right, right, and uh, so, uh, and I don't know the whole story. I just know that the lady who takes care of the t-shirts said that she uh, had become frustrated. And (laughs) I, I questioned why she was frustrated in an email, and then she wasn't frustrated anymore. So uh,
9: (laughs) she unloaded on you, huh?
4: (laughs) I I mean, I got uh, amazingly not long after the email, there was uh, funds to purchase the t-shirts. Very nice. So well, uh, it, was just, high quality, it was just a mix. Very up. It well just, done, and I love the graphic. It was, just, it was graphic. just a it mix was up. A awesome graphic on the front it of the T-shirt. It was just a mix up, and the graphic was actually, uh, you know, my wife did that. I got to give her a props for that. Otherwise the real she, Mrs. Jeffy did that. did that graphic. Yes, yes, yes. She loves it. She was happy with it. And, she did uh, a
9: great job. I, I showed my wife, and she was like, "Wow, kudos to Amber. That was awesome."
4: Well, listen, <laughs> and I want to be sure that you realize now. I mean, you might not know this yet, but that's not real blood. Of what? the T-shirt? I know, I know.
9: I, I want a refund. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, I spent long hours working on zombies last weekend, and again, this afternoon, we got more zombies. For what? What Did are you Did you hear about on? the contest, what huh? are you working huh? on? Did you hear about it? Tell me the contest. It's a Florida story. Does that, does that help? Just tell me the contest! Okay, the contest! BMW had somehow acquired Daryl Dixon's bike. And we had a contest in Florida to see what filmmaker could make the best BMW Walking Dead commercial. What? It was a fun day. Did you, you had win? A bunch of volunteer filmmakers and actors show up and get see, made up as zombies. That's a problem. Everybody, everybody, we poured oh, blood all over everybody. And we shot a commercial. It was there. awesome. What was? The and com- we might win a bike. <laughs> if I get the bike, I'm taking pictures. Just saying, I'll, I'll send you pictures. That's the best I
4: can do. When do you find out if you won?
9: Uh, this evening, as a matter of fact, we're going to Sarasota BMW for BimmerCon, is the uh, hashtag, and we will be uh, displaying our video. It's on Facebook and uh, YouTube today. If you do the hashtag B I M M E R C O N, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty proud because we had probably one of the best teams I've ever worked with, and they all volunteered an entire Saturday. That's a problem,
4: that right there. The whole this whole volunteer thing is
9: starting to piss me off. Well, come on, You're it is Florida. To you know, we, we're, we're supposed to work not for exactly money, paying filmmakers down here. That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of a good so point. So, I have some so other do, interesting have you seen, Florida
4: news. If you should be interested, I might be in a minute. But let me. I'd like to ask you a couple more questions about By your stupid means, thing, about your stupid BeamerCon thing. <laughs> so, have you seen any of the other ads?
9: Um, shall we say the competition was light?
4: Really. Not,
9: yeah, um, so are you throwing down the gauntlet, and you're going to win? Not, not kind of like uh, doing a neener neener in your face thing, but uh, oh yeah, we got some really good wow. quality film on our side and uh, Florida You know, the other guys did down. nice. They 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 put forth an effort. You know, I'm not going to bad mouth them
4: <clears throat> much. Wow. <laughs> so what do you win if you win?
9: We win a forty thousand va- valued at forty thousand dollar. Uh, actually, uh, Walking Dead shown and ridden by uh, Daryl Dixon, his his old bike. They're going to give you the bike. We are we are getting the bike. Yeah, if we win.
4: Look, that's where Daryl's butt was. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's exciting. You gonna charge
9: people to sit on the bike where his butt was? Yes,
4: <laughs> I was butt to butt with Daryl Dixon. You can hashtag that, butt-to-butt, butt, make it a Butt-to-butt butt
9: Daryl Dixon. That's yeah. just what I needed on my uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter feed. There yeah. you go. It's all yours. You're welcome. I'm, Thank here, you. I'm here for you.
4: <laughs> yeah, so what do you got for me?
9: So today, one of my new favorite stories I just found as I was uh, coming on the air, catch a Florida python, win a t-shirt.
4: <laughs> really?
9: You know, That's just so people cool. realize, the python is not native to Florida. These dumb butts who go out there and get this this massive snake as a pet, they usually buy it when it's a cute little baby, and they put it in an aquarium, and they feed it mice, and they think it's cool, and then it's 15 feet long, and they don't know what the hell to do with it.
4: So they set it free.
9: And it, it's just pervasive, especially in the Everglades and the swamplands. And So Florida Wildlife Commission has, for the last oh several years, Sent out people on a Python I, hunt. On a Python hunt, yeah, they do that with gators too. Oh, well, you, yeah, them. but they actually license the guys with gators, and they sell you know the the uh, uh, tags and so forth. But the, <laughs> you gotta love Florida. Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission has announced Monday that it's launching the Python Pickup Program, in which anybody who captures a Python in the wild can simply submit a photo of the snake he or she caught in order to win. I think Each I just got a snake. Sign.
4: I think I just sorry. got a sign. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I I I, I just got, I got a sign that right. th- I could actually win something today. While I'm talking to you, I look up at the television screen and right. there's Burt Reynolds telling no, me stop. telling me that I have an opportunity to win a fully restored 1977 Bandit Trans Am. And yeah. I I mean, come on, that's a sign, right? That is that is totally a sign. It's a, sign. It's a 2017 Bandit dream giveaway. And there's Burt in And Bert, I know is your hero, and uh, I mean with you on the air talking to me, and I see Bert Reynolds on the screen. I mean that's a sign. And he's going to so, give you an autographed hat. He's going to autograph the Bandit. I mean those uh, it's a sign, right? I can win.
9: Do we have to submit a video or something?
4: Can we use the same one, the Daryl Dixon Butt one? Sure, why not? I'm sorry, I, can, I, I, can I cut su- you off because you were so mad out. at the you were so mad at the 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 Python people. No, I think it's a great
9: contest. You know, every every amateur snake catcher gets a Python pickup t-shirt and has entered in drawings for prizes that include snake hooks, custom engraved Yeti tumblers, Plano sportsman (laughs) trunks, GoPro cameras, and Badlands backpacks, according to a news release. That's kind of cool. Plus, the next month, you have a chance at winning a $100 gas card. I mean, come on, gas is gas, right? And when you're running around in the Everglades, so I get this stuff
4: after I get the python, because it what would I seem said. to me to get that you need that stuff before you get the python. If, if
9: you're going to give me a snake hook, you know, I mean, I go, and a GoPro, right?
3: Right, it would you. be it
9: would be sensible if you equipped your teams with this stuff. But no, right. anybody can enter. It says, uh, <laughs> where was it? The the quote here was. Um, uh, he contended that it would be smarter for anyone who spots a python to call the wildlife agency hotline and let a professional catch it.
4: Yeah, it's possible that it might be a smart move.
9: Yeah, this is a, a, a Bill Booth, who is a python, a, a Brandon-based python hunter, who was featured in National Geographic. Said, "I'm pretty shocked that they would allow somebody to do something like this."
4: Are you, Bill? Bill's only <laughs> shocked because you're taking business of, away from him.
9: Right. Right, and they didn't have the Wild ge- uh, Geographic team out there chasing him uh, and showing how he picks up snakes. That's great.
4: So I see a headline uh, earlier this week about uh, something that I'm very familiar with, uh, mm. and that is uh, xylophones. And,
9: First time uh, ever a defendant has been charged in connection with a xylophone rage incident. This is, this is pretty fascinating.
4: I mean, are, are you, do you know about xylophones?
9: I'm very familiar. I I actually played percussion in high school and uh, got to 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 tinkle the uh, ivories there. And uh, okay, well, maybe more like wood, but they were uh, yeah, (laughs) they were xylophones abounding. And according to investigators, Floridian April Carcion, 43, was collared earlier this month on domestic battery after police responded to a residence in Fort Walton Beach where she had taken a pot of grease and poured it on the male victim. Now, luckily, this was cold grease that she dumped on him. Oh. uh, uh, Yeah, I I was thinking this is going to get really nasty, but no. Yeah, the victim had wet spots on his t-shirt and shorts, and there was a puddle of liquid in the ground, and uh, (laughs) that was it. (laughs) She poured a bucket of cold grease on him? And apparently she went to deal with. $3,000 $3,000 bond, and confessed to the attack, but she was also um, so she, outstanding on a contest plea to f- a felony charges of battery on a police officer.
4: So she, she threw cold grease on this guy for what again? He wouldn't stop playing the xylophone, and she
9: asked him twice. I mean, you know,
4: Bastard.
9: what are you going to do? You've been told. I told you again. Now you get the I, bucket. I
4: asked nicely. You right. didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking one more time. You didn't do it. I'm gonna pour a bucket of cold grease on you. <laughs> Who has a bucket of cold grease just laying around? I'm I'm wondering. Well, I mean, everyone does. That's what you cook with in Florida.
9: In Florida, if you have bacon grease, now that's you know good for making biscuits. It's good for the pan. It, you, whatever you have it for, it's just handy to have around. And for but, those
4: of you that uh, have buckets of grease on your stove or in your kitchen, don't get caught pouring it down the pouring it down from, the the oh, drain outside the, on the, the street.
9: The, the drain is on the side of the street. Is man, a bad place for man, that.
4: They get uh, they get mad when you do that. Yeah,
9: you you didn't get like fined or anything for that, did you?
4: They get mad when you do that.
0: You're listening to the Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network.
2: this is the jeff fisher show
4: welcome to it 888-900-3393 is the phone number couple of uh, breaking animal stories from this past week uh one was a huge fake news story and it's everywhere the wild boars overrun islamic state and kill three militants you know that's fake news that story is too good it's too good it's too perfect and it uh it's fake news, wild boars. Everybody, oh, it's so great! Drop bacon on them. Yeah, ISIS, kill ISIS. Sorry, I don't buy it. And then we had the Rhino on Tinder, looking for a little bit of love, and uh, he uh, he's looking for a little bit of love on Tinder. And I love his uh, his Tinder profile
2: uh, is uh, pretty sweet. This is your show only. On the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now.
3: Stand clear. Life signs stable.
2: It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh,
4: you know. We talked to Charlie Woods uh, earlier in the broadcast who uh, covered uh, the Alex Jones trial for BuzzFeed. And uh, gave us a little insight on the trial, and and Charlie was, uh, you know, he was impressed with Alex, and and look, Alex is a is being a you know a character, or however you want to think of him, a crazy man. Uh, he definitely is uh, definitely is whacked out of his mind, uh, crazy, uh, a star, uh, knows how to work the game, uh, plays the game. uh, He knows how to work the system, and he's worked it well for many years and made quite a bit of money. Good for him. Well, after the trial was over, uh, they did a live feed. There were press out there for this press conference, and the whole thing lasted about 40 minutes. I mean, it never ended. And then when he got done talking to the the press – He walked over to some building a block away, went upstairs into some room, and then he went over all the court documents with everybody and talked about "see you on Sunday, God willing," Uh, and uh, it was absolutely preplanned. I know that there was the gaggle of press uh, going on, uh, but also you could, you know, the he had his Infowars guy there. He went up to one, you know, the one guy started grabbing his camera and started showing the press with the camera and i was thinking if i'm gonna grab my camera i would have punched him right in the face alex would have i'd have been in another lawsuit right in front of the courtroom so it had to be his guy what are you doing and then in the middle of it there's this guy i wish i i i was all that was late last night and i couldn't take any more because i've got a couple of clips from the press conference but in the middle of this press conference when he's Busy yapping a little bit more when it's when the press conference is technically over. There's this homeless guy that comes out of nowhere and he is uh, he's standing there and he's like, How about that? Alex would say something and he's like, How about that? And so Alex is loving this guy, laughing at him, and and he said that's the new (laughs) that's the new segment on the show, the how about that guy? It's kind of funny. The rest of the press conference, though, so he comes walking up down this, uh, strutting his Alex Jones strut with his limp, and he's got his sunglasses on and his jacket, and he comes, he comes walking up to the press.
6: Okay, everybody's got their feeding frenzy going here. I got it. All the <laughs> fake news media can edit in all their little fake clips and everything to this, but folks watching online will see the truth. A little statement I want to make, and then later I'm gonna put online some of these documents. We're going back three years ago. I didn't file for divorce. I never tried to take my kids away from my ex-wife. Four separate times she filed to take them away. The courts, the guardian litem, the system thought it was horrible. I got to say, actually, the system here in liberal Austin said, this is child abuse. We're taking your kids away and giving them to you. And I said, well, I want to be with her mom too. She said, no, they're with me and not with you. In five separate filings, four just the first three years of it, but we're now over three years into this. So that's the reality. I know the media won't get that right.
4: It continued. Remember, this whole thing went on for 40 minutes. Now, he had uh, one question asked to him that he actually thought was a great question, and that was uh, what is he going to say to his kids? Any, I mean, any real questions? What I, do
2: you say to your kids? You know, this is a very public... absolutely that's a great
6: question what do I say to my children who I never in three years brought into this who I never made public I never called the media to come here I was never involved in any of that it was other people that called the little vampires in you know to be all part of this in the attempt you know to sit there and you know point their finger and go there's the bad man there's the bad man let's shut him down let's let's put words in his mouth I mean my children know that the corporate media lies and they go to school and they hear about this and they know the truth, and they say, why does the media say that? Why does the media say this? And I explain, they're not the media. They're the people that, with the corporate globalists, right. helped hijack this country, and they're being torn out of control now. They're being removed like a tick off a dog's rear end, being torn off this country, and they realize it as parasites, as little followers, as, as conformists, posing as trendies, that their time is short.
4: That's good stuff right there. We may have to play that again. Uh, keep that one in queue. That's that is very important knowledge to have right there. And then, uh, in a little little bit after that, he gets asked about uh, the uh, Chibani situation and the lawsuit with Chibani.
6: Well, I know that I've talked to four lawyers about the Chibani lawsuit. They say it's totally frivolous, an absolute, complete PR. Is stunt. it? And I was on the phone with my DC lawyers and my Idaho lawyers today, and we were thinking about an aggressive corporate strategy. Uh, to actually uh, go after the New York Federal Reserve Ah, that he's a board member of, and the school lunch program that he's part of, and these other loans and deals he's got going that are monopolistic. Uh, My lawyers also dealt with some of the suits that were on the Boston Herald when when they found the Saudi money going to a local group. That got shut down, and then everything got paid back. So yeah, I've got those lawyers right now. They're all handling that. So we're looking at counter lawsuits, uh, because we reported on news about the reported sexual assaults that the media said didn't happen but they've now pled guilty for then they argue well that's not connected to the yogurt maker no just the owner who pushes for refugees to be brought in with george soros and george soros's founded law firm that's suing me so technically i'm not saying the owner of it himself imported these people the point is they're being brought in unvetted so we covered other people's reports and then they sit there and play games little factoid uh, parts of it uh, so we're very very confident with that and What happens is when we get attacked, the listenership and support just goes up exponentially. So attacks go up to here, support goes up to there. And then attacks go up to here, support goes up up up. to those trees. And then support goes up and it just goes up and up and up. It's like an absolute elevator. So that's what's happening is people get it. They understand it's a war. They understand it's a fight. They understand what's going on with the corporate media and and they absolutely love it. So we understand the democratic strategy. We were already aware of it months ago. Months ago. Uh, but there's all sorts of slap statutes in Texas and a lot of really serious issues. So we're looking forward to discovery uh, on Shabani, and we're looking really, really you know, forward uh, to looking into Turkey, the Kurds, and uh, the, the funding of the operation. We've also got our intel sources
4: on that. There's a lot of slap, slap schedules uh, in Texas. Uh, we got to worry about I mean, we were aware of that months ago. Uh, Corporate strategy. We were aware of that months ago. Now that went on for 40 minutes. 40 minutes. But I want to go back to his question about what does he say to his kids? Because after the first 30 or 40 seconds, he starts to go off the rails a little bit. And I want to hear it again. Any, I mean, any real questions? What do
2: you see to your kids? kids, kids in? All, like, all this, this is a very public... You, I mean you're Absolutely, of, you that's, a that? that's a great
6: question. What do question. I say to my children, who I never in three years brought into this, who I never made public? I never called the media to come here. I was never involved in any of that. It was other people that called the little vampires in, you know, to be all part of this, in the attempt, players. you know, to sit there and, you know, point their finger and go, there's the bad man. There's the bad man. Let's shut him down. Let's let's put words in his mouth. Yeah. I mean, my children know that the corporate media lies and they go to school and they hear about this and right. they know the truth and they say, why does the media say that? Why does the media say this? And I explain, they're not the media. They're the people that with the corporate globalist helped hijack this country and they're being torn out of control. Now they're being removed like a tick off a dog <laughs> rear end being torn off this country and they realize it is parasites. As little followers, as, as conformists. Amen. as trendies. The third time is short.
4: Yes. Thank you. And then we're going to develop a corporate strategy. I mean, our lawyers were well aware. They were aware of this months ago. And uh, we'll put it into this right away. Don't you worry about it. We'll tell the truth. People watching online will know the truth. So Alex is back in business. Uh, he was able to se- try to separate a little bit of inf- InfoWars wars from his uh, real life and uh, thank you to the judge for allowing that because it really isn't true. Uh, You can't really separate your life and your Infowars life when they're pretty much one and the same. But hey, who am I? I'm just a tick on a dog's butt.
0: This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: The Jeff Fisher Show returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy day.
4: 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Lawrence Jones, uh, he's around the building somewhere, waiting to take over the helm here at the top of next hour. And the Lawrence Jones so Mike Slater, will be on after that, and Joe Pags after that, rounding out your Saturday brand spanking new programming on the Blaze Radio Network. So. A little bit earlier, I mentioned the headline of the world's uh, uh, white northern rhino, uh, the last one who is up on Tinder now, and uh, I am in love with this. He's looking. What the problem is is that he's the last. He's the last white northern rhino. Okay. So and they're trying to get him to mate and they've brought in, you know, other rhinos and they took him out into a wild area so it wasn't more it wasn't like a zoo and uh, you know then uh, he's mated a couple times with a couple of the couple of the female rhinos they've brought in for a little rhino love and uh, they've even tried to help him one of my favorite lines is uh, one of the one of the rangers When we first tried to mount the girl, the rangers guided him, but it was difficult with the rhino. No kidding. How about you just figure, you know, the rhinos probably got this, right? The rhino probably, probably got a feel for it. He knows what he's doing. I mean, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's a virgin white rhino Northern. That's why he's the last one. So what they're trying to do is get him some, some fertility treatments, Right, because he's had a couple of opportunities to make uh, a, some animal pregnant. I'm guessing it's another rhino, uh, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done it. So they're concerned about it, and it's going to cost, you know, a lot of money. You don't just, you don't just. We've upped our fertilization now. Up yours it costs a little cash for rhinos, so they're trying to raise some money. So they put a profile on Tinder, and if you swipe right on Tinder, if you swipe right, that means you like. And uh, that takes you to another page, which, you know, then you can link up and donate some money to help Sudan, the rhino. Now his profile, you can't have, you can't be on Tinder without a profile. We don't be stupid. And his profile is, I don't mean to be forward, but the fate of my species literally depends on me. That's a good line. And for him, it works because it's true. I perform well under pressure. I like to eat grass and chill in the mud. No problems. Six feet tall, 5,000 pounds if it matters. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. I don't care who you are. That's good stuff. Six feet tall, 5,000 pounds if it matters. So good luck to us, uh, Sudan. And I hope that they find somebody that uh, they can guide you into to make a little northern white rhino. I think you know what I'm saying. You get this. Poachers are selling northern white rhino horns. All right? So my man Sudan, got those big-ass horns on his head. My man Sudan, white rhino horns, $50,000 a kilo. Making them more valuable than gold or cocaine. Wow! Rhino horn. Want to take some? So you gotta help. You gotta help my man Sudan. Go swipe right. I mean, really, the the fate of his species literally depends on him. And you know, he's six feet tall, five thousand pounds if it matters. Good stuff. Great news from the television world. And I, I i mean this with every, oh, man, ounce of being in me. You know how shows are really big and you like them and they're really strong and then they go away and you think, yep, I used to watch that. But we've, we evolve. We evolve. And, you know, they try to bring shows back and nobody has any new ideas, so they try to bring them back and you think, you know, I don't know that it will actually work. Eh, not sure. So, news out now that Roseanne Barr, John Goodman, and Sarah Gilbert are on board for the eight episode project, which is currently being shopped to networks Roseanne, the revival in the works. Now, I personally remember when Roseanne was really, really big. You know, the show. Hasn't you know, she? I got it. Don't worry. I Thank you. Uh, the show was huge, right? I mean it was ran ran on ABC from 1988 to 1997. I mean it was huge. I mean I remember my my first wife loved that stupid show. love that stupid show so and, and I, I enjoyed it as well. It was very good and John Goodman was great. It, it, Roseanne was great. They, the kids were they were all it was a good show okay but it's pretty much run its course, right I mean you understood the process. And so now they're shopping to bring eight episodes back. Uh, I mean, I'd rather watch this than Bill Nye on Netflix. So if Netflix is going to spend some cash, they might as well spend some cash on this. Let them produce an eight-episode Roseanne revival than uh, rather watch that than 13 episodes of Bill Nye telling me what a vagina is. I mean, that guy, out of control. And Bill Nye's uh, idea of uh, you know the vagina and the dating process and climate change is out of control. But there's another person, Riley J. Dennis. Riley Dennis, YouTuber, activist, and educator. She. I don't think it was a he worked as editor in chief of the Quaker campus newspaper where she looks like a he, pushed Whittier College to reform how they dealt with cases of sexual assault she received a bachelor's degree in writing words she received a bachelor's degree in writing words she he, a combination of creative writing and anthropology and used her expertise to publish a series of three young adult fantasy books with characters from diverse backgrounds she works to educate the public on a range of issues, all connected through social justice and intersectional feminism, mainly focusing on rape culture, gender identity, sexuality, and fat phobia. Fat phobia is real and live today, and strangely socially acceptable. Presentations looks at how society of. For conflated health with weight of decades for decades it examines language that is harmful i got to read this right, the print, printed version is not right, we're going to read more about rally I want to find out about fighting rape culture which is, I mean it's important to fight rape culture since there really isn't one uh, how a college newspaper can create social change uh, I don't know, does anyone read newspapers anymore uh, figuring out your gender how we know who we are I think I can figure that one out. How we know who we are? What gender am I? And fat phobia? Why society hates fat people and how we can stop? I mean, I might agree with Riley J. Dennis, she, he, on uh, fat phobia. <laughs> Living example, okay, of uh, someone who is. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not fat phobic. I've been surrounded by people I think who are. They use that, my fear of being fat to scare me. But How can I be feared of being fat if I'm fat? Fat phobia, I can't, I don't know. Maybe I don't have a phobia at all. I'll figure it out.
2: We'll uh, hear from Riley coming up. How's it going? The Jeff Fisher Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher show on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: Funny business. Funny funny business is what that is. All right, let's talk let's do a little Riley. I we do have Riley here, right? I sent you some audio of Riley, right? Two big cuts of Riley. Important to Riley, Jay Dennis. It's important to know that Riley cares and she's You can book Riley right now. You can you can book her him right now and she'll, she'll he'll speak at your event uh, about fighting rape culture and how we can make our campuses safe. Er. How your college newspaper can create social change. Figuring out your gender. How we know who we are. And... Fat phobia, why society hates fat people, and how we can stop. I mean, it's important, right? It's important. Now, one of the things you can have her, he, talk about is intersectionality, how to bring others into your feminism. Feminism. Riley uh, has a bunch of videos and goes on and on and on. But one of my favorite ones, she likes to come up with words. He likes to come up with words. And uh, she has a new word called cis-sexism. Cis-sexism. Uh, which means prejudice or discrimination against trans people. What other word means discrimination against Trans, oh yeah, transphobia, <laughs> well, we can't just use that though, we can't just use one word, we've got to come up with something else, a new one, so we'll call it cis-sexism, and Raleigh, uh Riley is very informative, very, very informative, and um, well, let's hear from Riley, shall we, let's start it off with the beginning of Riley.
10: Recently on the internet, there's been a lot of discussion around genital preferences and transphobia. In this video, I'm going to use the word cissexism instead of transphobia, but they're really similar words. Most basic, cis-sexism means prejudice or discrimination against transgender people. So what's been happening is that some people are making the argument that it's not cis-sexist at all to only be attracted to people with one kind of genitals. For example, these people might argue that being attracted to only women with vaginas in no way negatively affects trans people. On the other hand, I would argue that it's more complicated than that. We all have our implicit biases built into our preferences, and gender isn't as simple as just the genitals you have. But after I say that, I usually get a bunch of blatantly cis-sexist responses. Right?
4: Responses at once. Okay, so now she he goes on to explain uh, the typical responses. Number one, you're being homophobic. You're upholding rape culture. I'm allowed to have my preferences. I have a trans friend who says this is okay. Now I think that she happens to mention a body part in this next when she says goodbye. So just be prepared for that. Um. I was going to edit it out, and then I thought, you know what? I, I don't want to do that because I-, I don't want to be a cis-sexist. I don't want to be part of cis-sexism. All right, I want to be a part of Riley's feminist website, everydayfeminist.com. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be homophobic or transphobic or cis-sexist. And and I don't want to I don't want to be allowed to have my preferences. I want to know that uh, that my preferences are wrong and others are right. And I want my trans friend to know that even though they say it's okay, it's not okay. It's not even though my trans friend says it is. <laughs> so when she gets done going down, her typical responses. Uh, Riley wraps up.
10: The first two responses in particular come from TERF, RADFEM, and gender-critical ideologies, which are all Duh. proudly anti-trans. Even if you don't consider yourself a part of those movements, you're siding with them when you use their arguments. Their right? platform is cis-sexist and their arguments reflect that. So even if you say you believe trans women are women, it doesn't do a whole lot of good if you're still completely siding with folks who don't believe that trans women are women. And the last Thank thing you. I want to say about this is that if you'd rather not have sex with a woman who has a penis, Whoa, maybe just why don't not make such what? a huge deal of it. Trans women are often afraid of not being found attractive or desirable after are coming out and you're not helping if you really want to be an ally to trans people you could just not talk about it and by that i'm not trying i to am in love okay, with so that idea censorship you have the freedom to say whatever you want i'm just asking you to consider if it's necessary to say those things when they reflect harmful or violent rhetoric because if you have an opinion that you know is only going to make people feel bad about themselves why constantly share it with the world it's fine thank you that's like-
4: enough oh, we don't need to hear rally anymore thank you i think we agree we found something to agree on that's that's what we're looking for here at the Blaze. Something to agree on. Come together. I think we can all come together with if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. If you think trans people are weird or bad people, don't say it. Because it makes them feel weird when they come out and they feel strange. How about they don't come out? How about that? How about they just stay in the closet? How about that? How about the 1% of the people that are trans just stay in the closet? How about that? Oh, no, no. I can't say that. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't stay in the closet. Don't stay in the closet, but don't talk about it. All right. I am a cissexist. I am. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to promote cissexism. I don't mean to promote transphobia, because I don't have transphobia. In fact, I believe I'm the one who said, "If you have to go to the bathroom, go ahead and go. I don't care. But don't make a big deal about it." I.e. O'Reilly. Why you got to keep ramming it down my throat, so to speak? Why? Just go. Nobody stopped you before. All it is now is that you want to be able to, I'm trans and I'm going into this bathroom. So? How about shut up and go to the bathroom? How about that? I don't announce when I have to go. Usually. I don't know, at times, you know, you, you might have to. There was this one time. Is one time a band camp? Very few will get that reference, but those that do will laugh. Okay. Now I will say that a new report claims a dramatic shift in millennials who identify as LGBTQ compared to other age groups. Well, A, let's I want to be a little ticked at this story because it's LGBTQIA. Okay? I've had just about enough of IA not getting the respect that it deserves. But Will, I digress, okay? All right, LGBTQIA. All right, that's what it is. Sorry to disappoint you, but the IA is there now, okay? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual. Got it? People lined the sidewalk during the Gay Pride March in New York, and boy, what a look what a crowd that was. what a crowd that was, this picture that I'm looking at right now. Oh man. Twenty percent of millennials, ages 18 to 34 identify as LGBTQ. Again, minus the IA. It's going to be hard for me to let that go. Accelerating acceptance is the latest report. 20% of millennials ages 18 to 34 identify as LGBTQIA. Compared to 7% of baby boomers ages 52 to 71 who answer the same way. The total population who identifies as LGBTQIA is 12%. 12%?! lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual. So 12% of the population are all of those. Which makes, uh, that doesn't mean that lesbians or gays or bisexuals or transgenders or queers or intersex or asexuals are 12%. That means that the entire package is 12%. And we have to go through so many hoops have to get so many things rammed down our throats, so to speak, over this topic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, Also, let's see. A new Harris poll also compares those who define themselves as cisgendered or the same gender they were assigned at birth. I hate those people. Man, do I hate those people. No, I'm, I want to be the gender I was assigned at birth. Get out! Oh, wait. Let's see. Harris Poll also compares those who define themselves as cisgendered or the same gender they were assigned at birth to those who say they are non-cisgendered or transgendered According to the report, 12% of millennials identify as non-cisgendered, indicating they do not identify as the same gender they were assigned at birth, but only 3% of baby boomers and 6% of Generation X, ages 35 to 51, identified as non-cisgendered. I can't read any more of that. Oh, my God, was that cis-sexism? Yes, it was. Sorry. Nah, not really sorry.
0: This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: This is The Jeff Fisher Show. That's one of the stupid things I've ever heard in my life. No one. A statement that should never be spoken from a human being. Oh, no, Doc, I'm fine. I don't need any painkillers. What? Anyway. (laughs) Oh, no, good for you. I'm glad you're doing better. I mean that. So, I've been thinking about car accidents for all day because Chris was telling, uh, the, our my producer here on Saturday was telling us about his accident earlier in the broadcast, and I was just giving him a hard time because, oh, no, Doc, I'm fine. I'll just, you know, I don't worry about the pain. Uh, I'll live through it. I'm tough. Why would, those words should never be spoken by humans. But he was, uh, we're glad you're okay. Most of the people here are glad you're okay. So, Thanks for coming into work today. We appreciate it. So how many of you like to be under big covers, comfy? You want to be nice and comfy and cozy and warm? Not supposed to be that way. You know what? Doctors say, hey, you're supposed to fall asleep naked and it's supposed to be cold. Okay? Life is much better when you sleep naked and you keep it cold. And when I say keep it cold, like I keep my house at uh, about 52. So this really isn't cold. I don't. But one of the things is I love it cold here at work because I'm like 800 pounds and I sweat. So I don't like to sweat. But at home, I like it comfortable. I don't necessarily like it cold. Like I like it here. And, but they're telling me here that according to a Dr. Chris Winter, science dictates, science dictates that temperatures between 60 and 67 degrees Fahrenheit are ideal sleeping conditions. Now, that having been said, now I'm also supposed to sleep naked. Okay. Now, I realize, I don't know if you realize what cold weather does to human beings, but it does something in particular to males that's not pretty. By sleeping at cooler temperatures, your body will thank you, according to the study. Published in Diabetes, who doesn't get, I mean, my copy has not been, I went out to the mailbox yesterday looking for my copy of Diabetes, and it hasn't arrived yet lowering your thermostat a few degrees before bed can help decrease your risk of certain metabolic diseases such as <laughs> diabetes huh so keep it between 60 and 67 degrees wow wow that is amazing. According to the naturopathic doctor and best-selling author Natasha Turner, sleeping under conditions that are warmer than 70 degrees will inhibit your body from cooling down naturally. Ah, I got to tell you. Oh, yeah, and also uh, what happens is uh, sleeping in a colder environment, the amount of brown fat or good fat, uh <sniffs> It's created, so it's always good to have brown fat as good fat. And we never did get to the the big fire festival. I'm told that uh, Doc Thompson, the morning show on the Blaze Radio Network, Monday through Friday, uh, did an exclusive interview with uh, the guy from fire. So uh, that's a fascinating story. They charged a bunch of money, uh, brought a bunch of people in. It was supposed to be a big party all weekend, two weekends, two weekends, right? And uh, they got there, and it was supposed to be all laid out. And uh, it was nothing. Uh, Thanks for coming, but uh, there's nothing here. And uh, I love that. In particular, I like the story that everyone was supposed to have their own little custom tent. And uh, there was only a few tents out in the field. And the guy was like, it's raining. First come, first serve. Run to the tents. And so they had a big fight over tents. That's a good weekend right there. That's a good weekend right there. Thanks for coming along for the ride. This
2: is the Jeff Fisher Show.